Hey everyone, it's Pacific. Just a few quick things to talk about this week, and then a really weird and wacky episode made for you. Yes, you. The one listening to this in your kitchen right now. First, uh, I have an exciting announcement. Uh, Our team has just grown a little bit bigger. Joining us this week as our community manager is uh, one of our wonderful Discord moderators, a constant thorn in my side, and uh, incredible artist, Celeste. Or, as you may know them on Discord, Owl. I'm incredibly happy to welcome Celeste onto the team. Uh, They have been an integral part of our community for a very long time. Uh, So I'm glad this is finally happening. Welcome to the team. Second... Tom Rory Parsons, another amazing member of our team, is currently selling the SCP-1730 soundtrack, and you can pick it up and listen to it right now at tomroryparsons.bandcamp.com. And, right now, and right now, you can buy the album for 40% off using promo code SITE13SOUND. Again, that's SITE13SOUND. And you can redeem that by going to tomroryparsons.bandcamp.com. And last but certainly not least, uh, you have just a few more weeks to sign up as a patron at $5 or above to get this month's exclusive enamel pin. Quantities are limited, uh, so if you want one, sign up quickly. Uh, They are arriving, I want to say September 8th or 9th last time I checked. Um, so if you want to get a really cool enamel pin, it's of Lockie the Lock, uh, in addition to a super cool postcard, sign up at patreon.com slash scp underscore pod. And that's all for me. Enjoy this week's episode. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number SCP-5902. Containment class, Keter. Disruption class, Eki. Risk class. Notice. Special Containment Procedures. Foundation intelligence operatives are to investigate workplace accidents, abnormal or nonsensical trade alterations, potential 5902-A sightings, and any and all mention of a Department of Administration appearing with insufficient context. If infiltration is suspected, a division of Disrupted Task Force Psi-2, two weeks' notice, is to be mobilized to the location. And if confirmed, terminations of employment and or life are authorized. Personnel are to practice high-risk identification self-checks to ensure that any terminated persons are indeed instances of 5902-A and not simply civilians expressing abnormal workplace behavior. In cases where SCP-5902 has progressed too far to be easily extricated, a corporate buyout by a foundation front company will be attempted, with 5902-A subsequently integrated and handled as per protocol. See history and state of containment. In areas with high incidence of SCP-5902 infection, see document 5902-K. At least one smooth vertical shaft, approximately 2 meters in diameter and greater than 3 meters in length, 
is to be installed in an accessible location, preferably a foundation-owned warehouse or area of waste ground. The inspection of the bottom of this shaft is to be covertly amended to the legal requirements of every employed person in the area in question, in such a way as to constitute a duty of employment. 5902-8 instances that accumulate in these shafts are to be terminated monthly. Description. SCP-5902 is a recurring logistical and bureaucratic phenomenon which emerges within existing organizations and parasitizes them, disrupting their normal activities until dissolution if left unaddressed. SCP-5902 has appeared within private businesses, schools, public organizations, and governmental agencies worldwide, with predictable patterns of emergence and propagation. Emergence of individual instances or cells of SCP-5902 follow an identifiable pattern, which progresses in distinct stages. Stage 1. Documentation. The first indication of an organization's infiltration by SCP-5902 is the least immediately noticeable, as symptoms are generalized and easily attributed to mundane causes, such as clerical error or criminal activity. Inconsistencies will begin to appear in the host organization's record-keeping, at any level, from shipping records to payroll ledgers. These will generally be mathematical in nature, with input or output figures not correlating as expected. If unnoticed and unaddressed, these errors will propagate and develop into more outlandish disruptions and fabrications, i.e. entire sections of internal databases being altered, funding being diverted to divisions that do not exist, and nonsensical material orders. While disruptive and costly in terms of man-hours, these changes are reversible if noticed, and timely corrections of these errors will prevent an SCP-5902 cell from progressing further, resulting in its disappearance in a number of weeks. If these errors are not addressed and continue to propagate, eventually the host organization's records will be altered to directly reference a hitherto non-existent organizational subdivision termed the Department of Administration. This name is consistent across each manifestation and its appearance anywhere within the host organization's records signifies that SCP-5902 infection has progressed to Stage 2. Stage 2 Employment. Approximately 45 to 60 days from time of initial infection, the host organization will begin to gain new employees, none of which are recorded as having previously belonged to that organization for any amount of time. These new employees, termed here 5902-A, are very easily identifiable by the pre-existing true members of the organization due to a number of highly distinguishable share characteristics, a summarized list of which follows. Appearance Every instance of 5902-A is visually human and can appear in any combination of genders, ethnicity, or body types, with no regard for the societal context of the host organization in which they appear. Attire all 5902-A wear formal business attire, 
i.e. slacks, ties, jackets, pantsuits, skirts, etc. Largely monochrome in color. All shirts worn by 5902-A are white, and outer garments are gray to black, with no conspicuous patterns or fabric styles. Ties worn by 5902-A may be colored, but are generally simple, being a single color with no pattern. Jewelry, such as necklaces or earrings, may be present, but will be subdued in fashion. In addition, each 5902-A wears a pair of sunglasses, of random but unobtrusive style, each sufficiently tinted to conceal the eyes. This standardized dress code is consistent across all 5902-A, regardless of the instances, place of employment, or attempted duties, such as heavy machinery repair aboard an offshore rig, loading equipment operator in a coal mine, or meat handler at a butcher's shop. Demeanor 5902-A are even-tempered, unopinionated, professional and polite. These characteristics can occasionally allow a 5902-A to pass unnoticed for a brief period of time, depending on the context of their employment, until the inevitable moment that the host organization's true employees begin to find them off-putting or unnerving. 5902-A do not appear to possess the capacity for casual conversation beyond simple, near-contentless statements, such as remarks upon the weather or immediate workplace surroundings. They have never been observed to make facial expressions or to make statements concerning things such as personal feeling, politics, sports, popular media, or even specifics of the workplace they are ostensibly intended to occupy. Incompetence. To date, no observed 5902-A instance has shown more than a superficial passing knowledge of their employment position at most, with the majority showing no familiarity whatsoever with their acclaimed role. If questioned, a 5902-A will always insist that they are duly employed by the host's organization, but will be unable to produce proof such as a pay stub, company identification card, registered account with the organization's computer system, or even the name of the institution they claim is currently employing them. If in a subordinate position, a 5902-A will always attempt to comply with any orders given to them by a superior, but these attempts invariably end in failure, or in some cases, outright disaster leading to workplace accidents of extreme cost or loss of life. Due to this set of highly conspicuous attributes, a considerable majority of 5902-A instances are rejected from the host organization's premises immediately upon discovery. Once separated from their place of employment, 5902-A simply demanifest. This normally takes place when the entity is not being observed by the general populace, but sometimes occurs in full view of the public, contributing to persistent rumors and urban legends of so-called men in black, or G-men. The likelihood of a 5902-A being discovered 
as inversely proportional to the size of the infected institution. A very large building with thousands of employees may allow a 5902-A to remain unnoticed and multiply. Through a currently unknown process, one 5902-A left in place will lead to more appearing. Appear is used literally here. Review of security camera footage after a 5902-A's removal often shows the entity simply stepping out of an unoccupied bathroom, crawling out of a ventilation shaft, or manifesting from nothing in plain view of the cameras, normally at night after the conclusion of work hours. Once all 5902-A have been removed from an organization, and all mention of the Department of Administration have been erased from the institution's records, the SCP-5902 infection will fall into remission and eventually disappear, as described previously. If a group of 5902-A is permitted to exist within a host for a period of time, between two and three months, they will eventually anomalously acquire documentation proving their legal existence and giving them indisputable legal claim to authority within the host, whereupon SCP-5902 infection proceeds to Stage 3. Stage 3. Incorporation. Once 5902-A have been anonymously equipped with their fabricated proof of legal existence and proof of employment, they will begin to leverage their authority within the host institution. Incoming instances of 5902-A will claim positions of greater administrative power and will, by this point, be able to demonstrate proof of holding this position if not any actual knowledge or skills to corroborate the claim. 5902-A in subordinate positions within the organization will suddenly rise to higher ranks in the wake of superior 5902-A dismissing the host organization's original non-anomalous employees. These terminations often result in lawsuits or other legal attention but are generally not able to apply sufficient scrutiny to a SCP-5902 infection in a manner timely enough to prevent its anesthetization. This process will continue until none of the original employees within the host organization remain. With all the institution's documents and licenses legally altered to reflect the change in management, in cases of smaller hosts with a single owner, the proprietor is removed by an aggressive buyout from an external group of 5902-A masquerading as venture capitalists or via seizure from one or more 5902-A occupying the guise of government officials. The specific methodology varies, but each strategy is accompanied by enough corroborating documentation to ensure sufficient legality for the infection to proceed. At this stage, 5902-A can still be rebuked, such as through legal maneuvering or by simple physical force, whereupon each entity can be removed and SCP-5902 infection can be reversed, as described above. If the entire host organization falls under the sole ownership and operation of the Department of Administration, 
SCP-5902 proceeds to Stage 4. Stage 4. Rupture and Deployment. Any previously operational establishment operated by Holy 5902-A will quickly become insolvent, as 5902-A do not possess the experience, knowledge, intelligence, or apparently even the desire necessary for the administration of any property they acquire. The entities will make attempts to perpetuate the stated purpose of whatever institution falls under their control, but it will eventually fail due to a combination of general incompetence and gross negligence, occasionally leading to highly publicized disasters such as refinery explosions, factory fires, or shipwrecks. During the interim between acquisition and destruction, a number of 5902-A within the Department of Administration-owned organization will continue to grow. 5902-A, in positions of superiority, will begin giving orders to subordinates that involve some form of outreach, be it in a form of advertising, direct mailers, or even sending 5902-A to homes and other businesses for a variety of other purposes, most of which do not even pass cursory scrutiny. These initiatives are the vector through which SCP-5902 spreads. A letter from an infected business mentioning the interests of a Department of Administration or permitting a 5902-A into one's residence can result in the site of a new cell of SCP-5902 via a process presumed to be a form of mimetic or bureaucrat hazardous contagion. An example of one such attempt follows. Hey everyone, Pacific here with a quick ad break. And a reminder, ad-free and bonus episodes are available at patreon.com slash scp underscore pod. And now, back to the show. Date, September 9th, 2019. Media origin. Household security camera footage confiscated from the home of Mateo and Margaret Marquez, a retired couple in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Security camera POV is above the upper right corner of Miss Marquez's front door. Two men approach Miss Marquez's front door from the sidewalk. One, designated here as Alpha, is muscular, bald, and of medium height, with a purple tie and earrings. The other, Beta, is very tall and overweight, with short hair, a long beard, and a blue tie. Both men reach the house's front step, extend their hands, and knock on Miss Marquez's door simultaneously with identical rhythm. After a brief pause, Miss Marquez opens the door out of frame. Oh, well, hello there. Can I help you, gentlemen? Good morning, ma'am. My name is Theodore Taft Hoover, and this is my colleague Condoleezza Washington. I am not carrying a weapon. My colleague is also not carrying a weapon. We represent the Department of Administration. We did not call ahead to inform you of this impromptu inspection. It is impromptu. Also, we do not know your telephone number. I'm sorry, you said you're with who? The Department of what? The Department of Administration. I'm sorry, boys, you'll have to bear with me. Administration of what, exactly? 
Are you with the city? Both men trade a brief glance. Yes. We are with the city. This is a routine inspection. An inspection? Of what? This seems very unusual. Normally the maintenance people call ahead of time if they need to look at anything. You seem skeptical, ma'am. Uh, well, yes, I suppose I am. Alpha and Beta reach into their side jacket pockets and each remove flip-top ID cases. They hold the cards up for Miss Marquez. Both are identical. A black field with a white square. No text. Be thou skeptical no longer, citizen. Look upon the sigil. Feel its great energies. We are on official business. A single tear leaves Beta's left eye, rolling down its cheek and onto its beard. Its facial expression does not change. Alpha regards Beta for a moment, then turns back to Mrs. Marquez. That should clear everything up. We apologize for any confusion this may have caused. If this apology does not apply to you, disregard it. Alpha and Beta replace their identification. There's a pause. Is this some kind of prank? Is this the new thing the kids get up to when they're bored? Or something? I don't have time for this, gentlemen. Go bother someone else. This is a routine inspection, ma'am. It is imperative that you let us into your home. It is nearly integration day, unless you would prefer to face the infinite interregnum alone. Alpha looks at Beta once more, but says nothing. Bigger thugs than you have tried, boys. Well, maybe not bigger than him, but pretty big. Get off our property before I call the police. The door closes. Alpha and Beta regard one another for a moment. Alpha turns around and starts down the sidewalk. Beta kneels, rolls up the Marquez's welcome mat, and walks away while attempting to stuff it into its jacket pocket. Shortly after this incident, High Mesa Electrical Company suffered catastrophic fires at each of its regional substations as a result of 5902-A attempting to replace most of the substation's primary wiring insulation with ham. History and State of Containment the foundation has been infected by SCP-5902 for approximately 150 years, with initial site of contamination theorized to be a regional foundation dispatch center located beneath an abandoned textiles factory in London circa 1869. As the foundation is one of, if not the largest contiguous organization of its kind, or any other kind on earth, Countermeasures against SCP-5902, infection and reinfection, were eventually deemed so expensive that SCP-5902's containment procedures were reconfigured to simply allow it to exist within the Foundation in a controlled capacity. As the scope of the Foundation grew, several attempts were made to use 5902-A as D-Class personnel in a testing capacity, both to study the specifics of SCP-5902's properties and as a cost-saving measure. Predictably, each of these measures ended in failure, as 5902-A are generally incapable of following even basic instructions, and all tests which require a modicum of psychological presence or intelligence yielded scientifically inadmissible results. Today, a single cell of SCP-5902 exists as a part of one personnel intake depot in Wyoming, 
with station policy altered slightly to account for SCP-5902-A's presence. This cell exists to prevent 5902-A infection elsewhere, within the Foundation and as a platform, for ongoing SCP-5902 study and containment. 5902-A employees at Personnel Command Intake 99 are permitted to do unskilled labor such as janitorial work and are occasionally dispatched to containment sites housing anomalies that require human meat as sustenance or to participate in containment operations that require human sacrifice. The initial infection vector of the Foundation's SCP-5902 cell still exists and has been in Foundation custody for approximately 150 years at the time of this document's creation. As 5902-A entities take titles and personae of greater authority as they persist within a SCP-5902 cell, this specific instance now refers to itself as Infinite Cosmic Governor Sir Lord Edmund Julius Nonius Livingston de Omnimond, or simply Lord Livingston. This instance has been designated 5902-Prime for ease of documentation. 5902-Prime, or Edmund Livingston, as he was first described, was initially thought to be a spy from a rival institution when first discovered, and upon further interrogation, led to the identification of SCP-5902 itself. Other 5902-A refer to 5902-Prime as the administrator, and Foundation researchers allow it to lead small squads of other 5902-A in the performance of menial chores about the facility, which seems to have a positive effect on 5902-A, cooperation and morale. SCP-5902 has reached containment from Personnel Intake Command 99 on multiple occasions, but as all elements of SCP-5902 contamination are easily identified and neutralized, the Foundation is currently under no threat of internal alteration as a consequence of SCP-5902 influence. Containment breaches from PIC-99 are also of much lower frequency and infection rates observed by SCP-5902 cells in situ resulting in comparatively inexpensive containment efforts. This is believed to be due to current containment guidelines allowing for 5902-A access to stimulating busy work as well as the comforting, authoritative, and inexorable presence of 5902-Prime. This episode was made possible thanks to our patrons. Joining us this week is Hopin, Teabag Chopra, Karn Hampton, Shifty Reese, Jeremy Holm, Skynet, Eliza A. Crowley, Lilith, CJ Espinoza Chavez, Alicifer, Will and Andy Forever, Richard Solom Windsor, Zachary Lessard, Dominic, Ash Taylor, 
Proud Librarian, Benjamin Lorenz, Just Peachy, Yale Segev, Mackenzie Madsen, and Adrian Bundy. Thanks, guys. Your support means the world. SCP-5902 was written by Cadaver Commander and Malice Aforethought. Our host and narrator is John Grills. Researcher was Tanya Meliovic. Miss Marquez was Risa M. Alpha was David Collins. And Beta was Eric Kemp. Our assistant editor is Jesse Hall. And our sound designer is Danny Sweet. Our community manager is Celeste Cassian. And our music is done by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons. I'm your showrunner, Pacific S. Obadiah, and our producers are Tom Owen and Brad Miska.